0: Welcome to Candidate's Corner, a political podcast created by university students and brought to you by VoteUSA.org. VoteUSA is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that provides information on candidates across the country for voters before they go to the polls on Election Day. This summer, we will be discussing the issues facing states and jurisdictions across the country. Each episode, we will be interviewing a candidate on the campaign trail, seeking a win in their primary elections. Any opinions and statements expressed by the candidates are their own and do not reflect the values or beliefs of Vote USA. I'm Brandon. Welcome to Candidates Corner. On today's episode of Candidates Corner, I'll be speaking with Joe Kent, a Republican primary candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives from Washington State's 3rd Congressional District. Washington's 3rd District is located in the southwest corner of the state. And encompasses the counties of Lewis, Pacific, Wakayakum, Cowlitz, Clark, Skamania, and Clickitat, as well as part of Thurston County. In 2019, the district's population was recorded as 756,675 people. In terms of ethnicity, nearly 90% of residents identify as white, with Hispanics and Asians representing the next two largest ethnic groups. Because the district borders the Pacific Ocean and also contains many forests, Policies that concern the use and preservation of natural resources, such as fishing, timber, conservation, and clean energy, are important political issues in this district. Other topics of political interest in the 3rd District include economic development, health care, and education, as well as national issues such as immigration, foreign policy, and federal taxation. In its electoral history, the 3rd District has been open for both Democrats and Republicans, though it has trended towards the latter in recent years. Since its creation in 1909, the 3rd District has been represented by eight different Republicans and six different Democrats. Since 2011, the district has been represented by Republican Jamie Herrera Butler. Important to note about the 3rd District's primary race is that in Washington, congressional primary races are nonpartisan, meaning that the top two vote getters in August 2nd's primary election will advance to the November 8th general election regardless of their party affiliation. Because of this, The list of Herrera-Butler's eight primary challengers includes both Republicans and Democrats, as well as independents and third-party candidates. And unlike the previous five races in which Herrera-Butler has won re-election, her strongest challengers this year appear to be coming from within her own party. Our guest today, Joe Kent, is one of the Republicans challenging Herrera-Butler in Washington's third district primary race. Kent was born in Sweet Home, Oregon, and grew up in Portland, Oregon. Before running for Congress, Kent carved out a decorated career in the U.S. Army. He enlisted in the Army at age 18, serving for over 20 years and 11 combat tours, and rising to the rank of Chief Warrant Officer in the Green Berets. He left the Army in 2018 and went to work for the CIA. Kent entered the political arena in 2019 after his wife Shannon, a Navy cryptologist, was killed in Syria. He became a vocal supporter of President Donald Trump in the media, and an active opponent of what he calls the establishment. In February 2021, Kent announced his candidacy in the 3rd District's congressional primary race. Seven months later, Kent received an endorsement from former President Trump, who had won 51% of the vote in the 3rd District during the 2020 presidential election, and whom Representative Herrera-Butler had voted to impeach in January 2021. Kent has emerged as one of the top contenders in the primary race, and perhaps even as an early frontrunner for their general election. A poll conducted by the Trafalgar Group in May, which had 645 respondents, showed Kent winning support from a plurality of likely voters. 27.6% of respondents said they would vote for Kent, above the 21.9% who said that they would vote for herrera Butler. Kent has built his strong campaign on a mix of traditional conservative issues such as deregulation, fiscal responsibility, and anti-abortion, and anti-establishment stances, like non-interventionism in the Middle East. A full list of his policy views can be found on his campaign website. In this interview, however, I'll be diving deeper into a broad swath of issues with Mr. Kent, including free speech, abortion, education, the federal budget, military involvement, and health care. All right. Well, the first question I have for you is a pretty simple one. Why are you running for office?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really just the full state of our country. So I served in the military for a little over uh, 20 years, uh, retired as a Green Beret, did 11 combat deployments, uh, intended to start a second career in the CIA. Um, All that changed when my late wife, Shannon Kent, was killed fighting ISIS. She was killed one month after Trump tried to get our troops out the first time. So after that, I uh, intended on just – from the government and coming back here to the Pacific Northwest to raise my kids, um, but I started speaking out and advocating for Trump's uh, foreign policy once I got out of the government, worked on the Trump 2020 campaign, uh, had an invitation to go work in a second Trump administration, and then the election went the way that it did. I have serious uh, issues with the way that the election was handled. I think there was a good deal of fraud, um, and then watching our election, Jamie Hurrah Butler, who I voted for, my congresswoman, uh, vote to certify the election. And then her going along the uh, the narrative of uh, some form of an insurrection and voting for the impeachment of President Trump, I realized that we're on the cusp of losing our country. Especially after watching not just the presidential election, but the uh, the COVID used as a guise for taking away a lot of our basic rights as citizens, uh, and then watching Antifa and BLM burn down uh, the country, but specifically uh, our district. So I felt I felt and still feel that we we're on the cusp of losing our nation. So as somebody who has fought and uh, lost a lot for this country and has two young sons. I I feel like it's an extension of my service to continue the fight this time at a uh, political level. You're running in in your district, the third district in Washington.
0: It's a pretty crowded Republican field. And aside from your endorsement from President Trump, what would you say sets you apart from your competitors from like a policy or experience standpoint?
1: From experience, I'm the only one uh, in the race that has federal – Experience that has served in the military, um, that has served in the intelligence community, that understands exactly how rules of our federal government um, are being implemented against American citizens in many cases, and a lot of the scams being ran against the American people at the federal level. Um, I think my military experience also sets me apart. Uh, I served in beret. I started out as an enlisted guy, so I started out as a private and then worked my way up to E7, but then I finished out Career, the last nine years of it as a warrant officer. So my job was to bridge the gap between management and leadership, which I think fits in to being a congressman, because I have to be, be connected with people in the district um, at the ground level. But then I also have to be able to go back to Washington, D.C. and leverage the power of the federal government uh, to benefit uh, our congressional district. Um, I think that gives me a, a good deal of experience. I think also as uh, geopolitics goes, I have the most experience with that as well. Um, and I think that's going to come into play heavily, and especially Congress's scope of, of being able the one body in our federal government that can actually authorize war, that receives our intelligence agencies, that allocates foreign aid, that runs the budget of our country. Um, I, I have the, the broadest ex, uh, experience and most relevant skill set.
0: Thanks. That sort of gets to my next question, which was going to be Asking about how your experience, your 20 years uh, in the Army, has prepared you to serve as an elected representative. Uh, do you have anything else to say on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, uh, I, I think that we are very much in a form of warfare right now against uh, warfare is being waged against sovereign Americans by our establishment. That includes Republicans and Democrats and a lot of global entities. Um, so I'm the only one that actually has combat experience and that has fought uh, irregular. The way that they're being fought against our country right now that blends information warfare, uh, economic war, media war, um, and then in some levels, unfortunately, because of like Antifa and, and BLM type of violence, uh, kinetic violence. So I, I, I think I'm the only one who has actually experienced war, and right now our country is very much war.
0: Moving on to a little bit more uh, like substantive policy stuff, I noticed on your website reading through your issues, you mentioned that you support breaking up social media and big tech monopolies, what exactly does that mean for you? How would that sort of action protect free speech?
1: So right now, social media, or not just social media, but big tech in general is the biggest um, monopoly that our, our nation is, has ever faced. So I, I would support declaring the internet as a common carrier um, and breaking it up and essentially making it a public utility so that people's uh, free speech can't be trampled upon. If the internet provider or the social media platform doesn't like something that you're saying or a political stance that you're taking, you can't be canceled uh, based on that stance, just in the same way that the water company, the phone company, the power company can't deprive you of a uh, of a service just based on your political beliefs. And so that would definitely guarantee uh, our, our ability to have our uh, First Amendment rights uh, protected. But also it would, it would break up the monopoly that controls literally the, the internet that can deprive people of bank accounts, insurance, those types of things for their political views. And it would also drastically limit the way that the government can, can the way the government and then really these big tech oligarchs can uh, track us and implement things like digital vaccine passports or some form of a uh, digital currency.
0: So when you talk about that, are you talking about like the internet service providers or like the social media companies like like Facebook, Twitter, or sort of both of those types of entities?
1: Both. Yeah, both. I mean, the social media uh, need to be broken up, but then actually who controls like the internet? Because that's the, that's the backbone of it all. I mean, you could, in, I mean, I, I think the uh, parlor is a good example where you had, you know, the, the argument of like, well, if you don't like Twitter and Facebook, then build your own social media. Okay. The guys at Parlor do. And the next thing you know, Amazon uh, web services is pulling them off of the internet, you know, so there still is a massive monopoly there behind the internet itself. So I, I think the internet itself and then our social media forms should be declared as a uh, uh, common carriers and, and treated as public utilities.
0: Gotcha, that makes sense. Thank you. My next question is about uh, a topic that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, heard about, heard different takes on in the past week. The US Supreme Court recently overturned Roe v. Wade in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which removed constitutional protections for abortion. Now you've stated before that you're pro-life and that you'll work tirelessly to protect the rights of the unborn. Now that it's possible, and from a federal legal standpoint, will you support legislative action to sanction or restrict access to abortions?
1: Yeah, uh, I would support a, a constitutional amendment to make uh, to outlaw abortion just to protect life. I believe life begins at conception. I think what the the ring of Roe versus Wade, uh, I heavily um, commend the Supreme Court justices for overturning that, especially having the courage to do so um, after the leak and the the uh, attempt at intimidation. Um, I believe that we, we should make abortion illegal. Like right now, it being kicked back to the states is a good first step. I, I don't think that this is a, a state's right issue. I mean, I, you can't murder people, uh, period. And and I, I believe that the unborn are are human beings that we should be fighting. Um A big part of this, too, um, is having really, really – it's one thing to say that you're pro-life and that you want to out-abortion uh, ab- – um, but i think it's really critical that we also have a set up policies uh, that are that are designed to help people have children if they get pregnant it's an unwanted pregnancy to smooth to take away uh, steps um, in the adoption process um, also, to provide for families and to incentivize families to stay together. So I, I think this could lead to an an entire um, set of policy reforms, especially with taxes and then also just with services uh, that that go to really safeguard and protect life. Thanks.
0: My next question has to do with the education issue. You've stated that you intend to return curriculum development to the states but also that you want to prevent things like Planned Parenthood, the 1619 project and critical race theory from entering school curriculum, that's on your website. So those things seem like they could go together, but they also might not, depending like, if, if you leave it to the states, they could choose to adopt, they could choose to adopt those things. Would you take action if the state of Washington adopted a curriculum that included some of those themes?
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, so I I want to push down education to the lowest possible level. So from the federal perspective, I don't think the federal government has anything to do with education. So I I would support getting rid of the federal Department of Education, Um, but I would also go through every single budget because right now there's there's education grants that that the federal government unfortunately still plays a role. So as a congressman, I would go through – any budget in, in any uh, education grant or any pin going to the states for education and see if it had anything in, involving critical race theory um social emotional learning 1619 planned parenthood sex ed um that type of thing and and ensure that no federal money is going towards that i mean the 10th amendment still exists i mean states can have curriculum if they want to and then people people need to be engaged and vote uh, uh, vote for Um, school board members and state reps that reflect their values. So more or less, I want to get the federal government out of it, but I also will not support giving one penny to the the woke agenda, whether that's CRT 16 or comprehensive sex ed.
0: My next question has to do a little bit with funding and with federal money also. Um, You've said that you support low taxes and balancing the federal budget, but you also support building a border wall, improving the U.S the u.s military and using federal funds to preserve the fishing industry among other things so in addition to raising the social security age which i noticed on your website are there any other strategies that you're thinking of using to balance the budget in light of those new expenditures
1: yeah i mean getting drastically reducing how much foreign aid out, i think is absolutely critical i i dealt a lot with foreign aid when i was in the military when i was in the intelligence community um, it is a it, it is there's to, to put it charitably there's a lot of fat with our our form uh, that we give out. Um, I, I think Americans are overtaxed. I, I think what we need to be doing is alleviating tax burdens on our working class, middle class, upper middle class. Um, I would support some form of a you know a flat tax. Um, I, I think for for folks that are earning a poverty level, a flat tax, child tax deductions uh, for folks again that are earning earning above the poverty level it's absolutely critical. Um, those are some of the the biggest things I think we can do. Breaking up a lot of the um, a lot of the big uh, Wall Street oligarchies uh, like BlackRock, I think, is absolutely critical. BlackRock and Vanguard and City Street and those types of organizations, they're um, able to benefit from a lot of tax loopholes that I think we need to close off to ensure that they're actually paying their their true fair share. Um, I think there's a lot of Graft uh, in that upper level uh, with with the mega billionaires, especially the billionaires that basically are at war with American culture on a daily basis that are either like BlackRock buying up housing to drive up the, the price of the housing market and doing that with our pension funds, um, or folks like Bill Gates that are making money off of, you know, experimental gene therapy vaccines, um, and then buying up U.S. farmland um, or Zuckerberg who is a social media oligarch who also is using nonprofit money to help steal. So I, I think there's a good deal that we can be doing against some of the top billionaires to ensure that a lot of the tax loopholes that they benefit from while they erode away the fabric of our society uh, to, to ensure that they're paying their share.
0: Thanks. My next question has to do with um, military policy, which I, I noticed a great deal of on your website. I assume, as a veteran, you're, you're pretty in tune with, with um, like the US foreign policy stances. Um, and I saw that you stated you plan to end our endless wars, referring to US combat deployments in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Um, as far as I know, the US completed withdrawing troops from Afghanistan in 2021 and has ended its combat mission in Iraq, although I looked it up and there are still 2,500 troops there in a supposedly non-combat role. Are you advocating for a, a different policy from this, like a policy of complete withdrawal? With your military expertise, would you mind explaining um, what the important differences would be between a complete withdrawal and what we have now?
1: So, yeah, we, we wrote that I think right before the fall of uh, Afghanistan. I need to need to update that. So yeah, Afghan, that's I, mean, that's I guess that's a whole different topic, um, but that one's done specifically with our current combat footprint in uh, Iraq and Syria primarily, the big issue in Iraq is that our troops that are there, they are just essentially in these static locations. They're training the Iraqi forces. The Iraqi security forces and the Iraqi government is really just a puppet or a proxy for Iran, and so our troops are in these known locations, and they get shot at or they get rocketed occasionally by the Iranians um, at the time in place of of their choosing. So essentially, we're funding the Iraqi government. We've rebuilt the Iraqi government twice now once when Saddam fell, and then once again when ISIS took over the country in 13 and 14, and the Iraqi government that we spent you know uh probably a two trillion dollars building um and a, almost 5,000 dead americans building uh crumbled and threw their weapons on the ground and handed them isis we had to rebuild that military again but the only folks that were available were a lot of these shia militias backed by iran so that's the current iraqi government right now that we're funding um and they're, they're they've shot at our troops they've killed uh three of our troops since the end of the the counter isis campaign they were happy to let us be their air force again. Uh, and to provide some ground combat uh, support as well but once that fight had had mostly wound down they went back into this posture of being very very aggressive against us however we still keep up sad that the iraqi government is this great you know democratically elected ally government that we have um while we fund them so i, I think our position in iraq is completely ridiculous well i would 100 pull our troops out of iraq i would end all of our deals with the iraqi government would sanction them like we sanction Iran until that they completely and totally divorce themselves from any relationship with the Iranian with, – with the Iran, the current Iranian government. Um, Syria is, is is a similar issue. We went into Syria to take out the Islamic Caliphate. That that was the extent of the mission. Once we took out Israel, we'll scrap around the uh, Islamic Caliphate control, that's when Trump tried to get our troops out. That's what led to my wife uh, losing her life because people like Jim Mattis and other folks in the uh, administrative state thought they knew better than a duly elected chief because the national security state the military industrial complex want to remain in syria however in syria especially in western syria there's no vital national u.s national security interest there we are caught in the middle of a fight between assad being backed by the russians and the iranians the remnants of isis a couple of different factions of the kurds and the turks so really we just we've had a couple of different incursions where us and the russians almost got into a shooting fu- a shooting match and like I don't think there's any reason for us to be getting into a shooting match war with Russia. They're a nuclear armed power, um, especially over useless scraps of desert in Syria. It just doesn't make any sense. So, because there's no vital national security interest for us in those locations, I I certainly advocate for us leaving. uh, Under Title 50, which is intelligence activities, covert action, we could have our Intelligence services you know, use their their methodology to keep a ta- keep tabs on what's going on there. And if we need to strike against a terrorist entity, there there's a time and a, there's a time and a way to do that. But having uh, our ground force there in these known static locations takes away all of our technological advantages um, because we have an ability. they to to project force, and if, but if we remain static in these locations, we essentially are, are just. Bump, or just a target for the Iranians, the Russians, Assad, or we get caught between the Turk, the Kurds, for for nothing. So, that's uh, that's basically how I feel about uh, Iraq and Syria. I I would say the 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 larger Middle East. I, I I feel the same way about.
0: Thanks for that detailed explanation.
1: My next question has
0: to do with healthcare. On the subject of healthcare, you've said that you want to deregulate healthcare. But you also have acknowledged the predatory practices of big pharma, such as the inexplicable rise in insulin prices. Are you concerned about predatory practices in other aspects of healthcare, such as hospital billing being upcharged from what it should be? And what makes you confident that reducing government involvement in the healthcare industry will make care more affordable for consumers rather than less affordable?
1: I want there to be competition in the healthcare market, and right now there there simply isn't. So I want people to be able to have access to uh, insurance if they need it. They, they need to have the ability to not have their insurance tied up with their tied to their employer. They need to have the ability to have insurance cross state lines. Um, we we need. I think some form of individual healthcare savings accounts that you can um, put money away that's not taxed, that you can get a competitive interest rate on that can be used for healthcare. I think introducing a lot more competition on the market drive costs down as opposed to... Ha- like right now, hospital bills can be heavily inflated because there's, there's simply no competition on the market. Same thing with our drugs. I think we need to deregulate a lot of um, the the pharmaceutical... Uh, trial period. So like right now, everybody always talks about how we can get cheaper, uh, drugs in Canada. That's because Canada basically will take any drug that's made in Europe. And because they trust the European standards, they will just take it and they'll make a generic. They'll make a knockoff drug essentially that does the the same thing, a non-name brand drug. And that's what Americans, you know, Canada to do. So I think we need to do something similar with deregulating our pharmaceutical industry. Um, but then also I- encouraging any more competition in our market and having limited limited patents in that regards for for life-saving drugs, and then also allowing for the company coming from generics, coming from Canada, coming from Europe is absolutely critical. Because again, you're, you're introducing more competition in the market. I think that's absolutely essential for people that need healthcare and they, they need to get it from the government because they can't afford it on their own. I fully support that. I would just mirror what we do with uh, nutrition, no one in America starves to death, but the government doesn't deliver, you know, government cheese and government rations anymore. They give people EBT cards. And with that EBT card, they're able to compete on the market. So different grocery stores are still competing for people to come there and spend their EBT dollars. I would essentially do the thing with healthcare.
0: Thanks. And I just have one last question for you, which is a, a sort of broad question that we try to ask everybody. Is there a specific message that you'd
1: like to leave for the constituents in your district? Yeah, um, you know, I think we have a, a choice to make here uh, in August, and then again, in November, we can continue to rely on the establishment who the incumbent, you know, represents. She's she's technically a Republican, but she votes primarily with the Democrats. She gets a vast majority of her money from corporate special interest groups. She is a very much a part of the disconnected ruling class that once our job shipped overseas, us engaged in endless wars and our borders being wide open. There's no respect for American sovereignty and American independence with that agenda. Uh, it, it is completely and totally bought off by the corporate special interest. So if we want to restore sovereignty to our to our country and to our district truly have a citizen representation in Washington, DC, then we need to get rid of these career politicians. I never intended on for office. I'm in this fight because the oath that I took to the Constitution uh, when I was eighteen years old. and I, I mean that I would fight and die for this country. I'm in this because I have children here that uh, have lost a lot already in the service of this nation when they lost their mother. Um, and I, I just think the time is now for c- citizens to start stepping up and really taking back our government from these career positions. So I would say to anybody who wants a change, who wants, who wants to actually have citizen representation in Washington, D.C., to, you know, go to joekentforcongress.com, come out to a town hall. Uh, I've done 200 or so so far. I'm going to continue to do them right up until uh, election day. So chances are I'll be close to anybody in the district that wants to come out and ask me any questions. But uh, I consider the whole process to be a job interview. I want to be accessible. So please come out and uh, go to joekentforcongress.com and I hope to see you soon. I hope to earn your vote.
0: Thank you. Well, I, for one, really appreciate how engaged you've been, you taking the time to, to come in and do this interview with me. So thank you.
1: Anytime, man. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. On behalf of Vote USA, we would like to thank our guest and you for listening. Please be sure to like and subscribe for more episodes of Candidates Corner, and be sure to follow us on Twitter with the handle at VoteUSA1. For more information on the candidates running for office in your community, log on to vote-usa.org.